Thanks for joining us. The following is a presentation of Ignite Global Ministries and features the teaching of Pastor Ben Dixon. Pastor Ben has a vision of strengthening the church to impact the world. He serves as lead pastor at Northwest Foursquare Church in Federal Way, Washington. I'm going to be talking today about the sources of offense, the sources of offense. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you today for your word. We thank you, Lord, for this focus. And we obviously see the example of your son, Jesus Christ, that always loved people. And even when he was sinned against, he did not sin in return. The sin against him did not produce sin in him. And we want to be just like him. We, we want to follow the example that you've given for us. And so, God, we ask that you would give us grace today. Lord, help us to understand your words. Help us, Lord, to obey you, even if it's sacrificial. God, we pray for that grace to follow you and what you're like, that we would be the same. We thank you for it in Jesus' mighty name. Again, we're in a short series called Dealing with, Dealing with Offense. talked about cultivating a pure heart because it all starts in the heart. What happens on the outside first starts on the inside. And so as spirit-filled, Bible-believing Christians, we want to make sure that we're following God's Word and that we're being led by the Holy Spirit. And if that's the case, then we're going to become more and more like Jesus. The Bible's very clear about that. Romans chapter 8, verse 28 and 29, it says, All things work together for good for those that love God and are called according to His purpose. Verse 29, it actually says what the purpose of God is. It says, For those whom He foreknew... He also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. Remember this, God created us in his image according to his likeness. We walked with him in relationship in the garden. Sin, Genesis chapter 3, distorted us when we participated in it. It distorted us and our ability to be like God. We still are made in the image of God. We still reflect the image of God. But our likeness, our nature, our character, and our virtue has been distorted by sin. Jesus came to restore us back to the likeness of God. The image of God is not distorted in us. We still reflect the image of God. But the likeness, that's the way I see it. How we are, not just who we are, but how we are, has been distorted and corrupted by sin. God wants to restore that in us offenses are potentially one of the greatest enemies that we have. And it's one of the greatest tools that the enemy uses against us to distort our path. Even as Christians, we can follow the offended heart. We can follow offenses in our life and we end up in a place that we did not intend, nor did we sign up for. We know that we signed up to be like Jesus, but that's going to cost us all kinds of things in this life. And we've got to remember that. And so today I want to talk to you about the sources of the offended heart because our goal is to be like Jesus. And if that's the case, we've got to become aware of the things that are set against us. And I believe awareness is our first step in deliverance. Let me just say that again. Awareness is our first step in deliverance. Now, I remember about six years ago when my family and I lived in Snohomish and we had this great house there. Right next to our garage, you know, the garage has pieces of wood, sort of like a door does around it. And there was this uh, fascia board that was right next to the garage and it, and it wrapped around the house. And I remember I could look at it and see that something was wrong with it, right? It looked like maybe there was potential rot inside, but 
Listen, I walked by it every single day and I never stopped. I just didn't want to deal with it. But in my mind, I knew something was potentially wrong. I just didn't know how wrong it was. But you know as well as I do, if, if I'm going to stop, I'm going to have to open that thing up and figure out what exactly is wrong. And so anyways, I didn't do that. I just walked by it every day because life is busy. And one day after the other, it just continues to keep going. And I didn't have the time, nor did I want to make the time. For about a year or two, I walked by that piece of wood, and I'm talking a large piece of wood, that fascia board right there at the, at the leg of our garage. Sometimes those get rotten, and I just walked by it all the time. I didn't want to break into it. One day, I finally decided, you know, I'm going to open this up and see how bad it is. Well, anyways, I peeled the piece of, the piece of wood off of that and realized that it had rotted all the way back in. And somehow, there was a source of moisture or water that was getting in, even behind the wood, that caused it to rot out from the inside. Isn't that interesting, right? So I avoided this inevitable thing that I could tell had a problem, but I never stopped for a couple years because I knew that if I would break into this thing, I would probably find out what I don't want to find out. And listen, that can happen with us emotionally, relationally, spiritually. That can be the case. We kind of know something might be wrong, and we keep walking by that issue every day, and we avoid it, right? That's what happens. We avoid issues in our life because we know if we break open that thing, we might find what we don't want to find. And it might be a big old hole that really needs to be filled with the love of God. Now, ultimately, that's what we want. We want God to fill all of those areas in our hearts, all those places in our hearts that don't look like Him. But the reality is it's going to cost us something to do that. And so, we just walk by those issues of life. Maybe it keeps coming up at a workplace, come, an issue comes up in our home, an issue comes up at church, but it's slight. It's not big enough to blow up in our face to make us seek counseling or help. And so we just figure, hey, this will be okay. Nothing's really that wrong. We sort of minimize the problem. And when we minimize the problem, we will kick the can down the road and pain will continue to come into our life. Even if it's a slow IV drip, it will still continue to grow into our life. And all the while, we'll point at other things and other people and say, that's the problem. But the truth is, we might have some offense in our lives. We might have some issues in our heart that is causing us to filter things, causing us to see things the wrong way, and maybe even respond in a way that is just simply not who God created us to be. So here's the deal. The first step in deliverance is awareness. We need to be aware of what is going on inside our own lives because we cannot control what is happening outside of us. Now, I'm going to say that again. We cannot control what is happening outside of us. We cannot control what people think. We cannot control what people do. And contrary to popular psychology today and popular belief, we will never be able to control everybody else. The only thing that we can do is that we can give our own hearts to God and we actually do have the ability to walk with God in such a way where he can set us free from the inside out. He wants to excavate the rot that's in our lives so that we don't walk around offended and then therefore offending other people. But that's a belief system that we have to have. It's not about others. It's about me. It's not about what others do. It's about how I respond. And if we have that mentality, that mindset will cause us to live in freedom no matter what happens to us. You say, Ben, well, you don't know what I've been through. You're right. But I do know what Jesus gave you, 
Okay, now that rhymed. You got to give me something on that. You, you could say, I don't know what you've been through, but you don't know what Jesus gave you. See, that's something that will bring deliverance into our life. That's a nice rhyme. That's a biblical rhyme. I love it. So anyways, as we're looking at the sources of offense, we want to know why it is that we get offended. And I won't bring us to all of the solid conclusions today, but at least this will bring stuff, put it on the table so that we can deal with it over the next days as we continue to talk about this. Look what Proverbs chapter 18 and verse 19 actually says. It says, an offended brother is more unyielding than a fortified city. And disputes are like barred gates of a citadel. In ancient times, they believed that, or they built walls around a city like defensive measures against an attack. That's just normally how a city would position themselves. They built these walls. And here's the metaphor, is that an offended brother is like a fortified city. It's like walls, thick walls made out of stone. That's what the heart is like. When we're offended, we walk around hardened. Now, we may not know it, but other people do. And that's actually the perspective that the writer of Proverbs takes. An offended brother is more unyielding than a fortified city. They don't have an openness. Everything about their heart and their life is just barred up. It's just fortified. It's strong in all of the wrong ways. I think people walking around that person know it, even though that person may not. So the reality is we've got to be aware of what's going on with us. And I think it's important for us to realize that. Proverbs chapter 19, verse 11 is really part of our goal. It says, A man's wisdom gives him patience, and it is to his glory to overlook an offense. Now, this doesn't mean that we don't deal with offensive things and sins that come against us. But what it is saying is that there is the ability that we have, I believe, through Christ, which is what the New Testament teaches us. The Proverbs don't quite bring us there, but under the Old Covenant, I certainly think it's pointing to something. Now, we know that we have the ability to overlook an offense. This is talking about forgiveness. It's not avoiding an offense. That's not what it means. It means to overlook offensive things and sins, things that happen to us that it is to our glory. It speaks about us. It shows our character. Too many people are waiting for others to become better or others to behave more proper. Won't happen. Let's just let that ship sail. It's not reality. It won't. And that's what people are teaching today. I find that usually what you're hearing these days is we're trying, we live in cancel culture, so we're trying to silence everybody else's viewpoints and opinions. That will never happen. We can never control other people. And we've just got to lock that in our minds right now. Forget about it. It won't happen. We will never be able to dictate what other people believe, think, or say. And so if we can become strong because we're aware of our own issues or we're aware of our proneness to be offended, we don't have to feel horrible about that. We just need to know what to do because we're aware. So what are the sources of our offense or offense in our life? The first is very clear, and that is we are sinned against. So this is where I'm not teaching uh, in our series that we just have these offendable hearts because we're oversensitive people. No, we really do get sinned against. And so when that happens, we need to obviously know what to do. We're going to talk about that over the next few days, the prescription of Scripture to address the sins that have been done against us. We need to know about that. So it's important when someone sins against us, that it's biblically a sin. 
not a perception, not, well, you could have done this and you did that. Far too often, we are calling out a sin in someone that's not actually a sin. So we need to make sure that when somebody has said or done something to us, that it is an actual sin, not like a subconscious sin or something like that. If we have a good relationship with a person and they've said something in ignorance, we can certainly bring that to them and help them to understand how that might have been offensive. I'm all for that. I'm not for stuffing our feelings. I'm not for suppressing things that are going on. I'm not for not having good conversations and speaking the truth in love. We're going to talk about all those things. But listen, I do think it's important that we realize there's a difference between somebody actually sinning against us and our perceptions or our feelings and our thoughts. And we can't trust all of that. So we've got to make sure that it is biblically a sin. A person did X when they said this or did this, and that constitutes a sin. When that happens, the Bible gives us a lot of wisdom as to what to do. The first passage that I would go to, and there's a proverb that says this, but let's go to the New Testament, 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 8. In fact, I would encourage you to read the whole of 1 Peter, 2 Peter as well. Just read the whole Bible, amen? No, 1 Peter has a lot of wisdom when it comes to suffering and facing trials and difficulties and doing so like Jesus. You look at 1 Peter chapter 2, it calls Jesus our example. But this is what he says in verse 8 of chapter 4. Above all, keep fervent in your love for one another because love covers over a multitude of sins. This word for covers also means to cross over. And it would often be used like a, like a bridge. You just imagine there's a stream and somebody would build a bridge over that stream. So love actually crosses over, it covers over a multitude of sins. You can imagine that sin coming against us is like a steady stream. And we, through love that God's poured out into our hearts, Romans chapter five, we have the ability to build a bridge of an unoffendable heart, that we love a person even though they've sinned against us. We forgive a person. A manifestation of love is forgiveness. A manifestation of love is to treat someone not the way that they've treated, us, but the way that we want to be treated. And that's what Jesus would teach. So love covers over a multitude of sins. When we're sinned against, we know that it's a biblical sin, something that somebody truly has done. It's a transgression. But we know that we have something that is more powerful in us than what someone has done against us. Do you believe that? No matter what the sin is, do you believe that what God has put inside of you through the Holy Spirit is more powerful than what somebody has done against you. You say, well, Ben, how far does that go? How far has somebody sinned against you? So you've got to believe this. Before we can have freedom from the things that have been done to us, we've got to believe that God has given us the key that helps us to get out of our shackles. Otherwise, we just sit in these shackles and we go, well, you don't understand what's been done to me. You're right. God does. That's He's the one that we're trying to be like, not me not anybody else. Maybe nobody will understand what you and I have gone through except for Jesus. Jesus is our example. Not any man or woman. It's Jesus. Men and women can help us, but Jesus can free us. That's what we're looking for. That's who we're looking towards. So we can find freedom in him. We've got to be aware of actual sins rather than perceived sins. That helps us in our discernment. The second source of offense is really related to our own sins. So we have sin against us, and then we have sins that we commit. Usually sins of the heart, which is why we're talking about them. Because if they're just actions, clearly all of us would know what those are, and we wouldn't have to discuss them. 
as though we need freedom from them because either we're just continuing in our rebellion and not wanting to repent or we're just unaware. And so this is important to bring awareness is we might be prideful. We might have the sin of pride lurking in our hearts, thinking that we're better than others. Self-righteousness is a profound pride that allows for arrogance and ignorance in our lives. Why, why am I bringing up pride? Because pride is one of those things where we can just look at other people and maybe we see the success in their life or we see that they have something we don't have. So we have jealousy, which I'll talk about in a minute. We have jealousy towards them. And what that will do, if we're not careful, is that will make us judgmental and we'll have pride. Our pride will rise up and we'll pick people apart and we'll try to make them less and think highly of ourselves. And so we get offended by other people, not because of what they've done, but because of the pride that's in our own hearts. We have to feel like we're the smartest. We need to be the best. We need to be the most important. And listen, give that pursuit up. It's not about being the best or the best looking or the most eloquent or the most knowledgeable. Forget that. Pursue Jesus Christ. We just know that we are accepted in him. We are loved by him. We are sons and daughters of God. We don't need to prove anything to anybody. We just need to obey Jesus. But that sin of pride can be lurking inside of us. And we see this best modeled in the Pharisee. Not just the Pharisee, but the religious leaders of Jesus' day. They continue to model this way of pride. And Jesus denounced it, renounced it time and time again. He gave parables. Luke chapter 18, verse 9 through 14 is a great parable. Jesus told a story about the difference between a Pharisee and a tax collector. One was humble and one was prideful. One looked up to God and one looked down on others. And that really was the way that it worked. And I'll just tell you. We, our pride can cause offense in our hearts. I've seen it. I've actually had it happen. And so the Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. When we, allow, when we see things come out of our mouth, we've got to be able to analyze those thoughts. The sentiments of our heart is what's coming through our mouth. Self-righteous people are not self-aware because if they were, they would see their own sin. And that's the reality is that we will not have freedom unless we have awareness now, freedom is not awareness, but awareness is the first step towards freedom because we give it over to God. The Bible says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's 1 John chapter 1 and verse 9. Now, if we confess our sins, and so we want to be aware of anything like this type of hypocrisy and pride that just gets in the way and causes us to have a filter for how we see people. The second is also related to our own sin, which is we might be jealous. Now, jealousy is very powerful, and we've got to be really aware of it. It's attached to pride. They're brothers. They're sisters, okay? They work together, but we need to be aware. It's a very deadly sin that has a cascading effect and causes other sins to arise in our life. Now, we see this in the story of Joseph. He gets this pretty coat, the coat of many colors. His father gives it to him. His brothers are jealous he goes out to talk to his brothers. His father sends him out one day, and they basically are going to kill him. And one of his brothers says, well, let's sell him because that's a better idea, right? <laughs> Can you imagine having siblings like this? This is what they make a choice to do. We were going to kill him. We decided to sell him. We're going to have mercy on him because we don't like the favor that's on his life. Jealousy will cause us to do things that we never would think of doing. This is an offense, 
We think this person doesn't deserve that. I'm offended by them. I'm offended at the favor that they have. Instead of celebrating them, instead of loving them, we don't even have to celebrate what they have. We can just love them. That's really all we need to do. And instead of doing that, which is who we are, remember, we're talking about becoming Christ-like. If we're not becoming Christ-like, we'll give ourselves to jealousy. Jealousy will create offense in our hearts when we look at other people and what they have, and there's nothing they can do to satisfy that in us. There's a proverb that has spoken to this in my life many times. I can remember when I read it, it just stuck, it just struck me, and I realized that this is so true. It's Proverbs chapter 27 and verse 4, and the writer says, Wrath is fierce, okay? And anger is a flood. But listen to this. But who can stand before jealousy? So wrath is fierce. It's real serious. Anger is a flood. It just, it just goes out and starts to cover things. But who can stand before jealousy? What, is, what does this mean? This means that jealousy is such a powerful sin that nobody can actually stop it. If you think about the metaphor they're using, wrath is fierce, maybe fierce like fire. Fire can be put out. Anger is a flood. Maybe a person could build walls with sandbags. A flood is going to subside at some point, right? Anger has an ending at, at times. Maybe it continues throughout seasons, but it has an end at some point. But what we know, who can stand before jealousy? In other words, what can be done to cause jealousy to subside? The answer, nothing. Jealousy is a sin of the heart that causes somebody to hate or be offended by another person has nothing to do with what they've done. It has to do with what they have or who they are. See, that kind of sin and offense inside of us cannot be satisfied by that person. And so we might look at that person and we want less for them. We want something bad to happen to them. And that sin we've got to let God take from our lives because it creates all kinds of offenses. Maybe you're in ministry and you feel like somebody got something that you know, you wanted. I actually had that happen to me a few times. First, I had it happen to me when I saw other people and what God had anointed and appointed them to do. And I thought, man, that's what I want to do. So it wasn't what they did. It was that the Lord put something genuine in my heart to serve him. And instead of just pursuing the Lord and obeying him, I saw other people stepping into that before me and I would get jealous. And so I didn't like that person. I became judgmental and the Lord dealt with my heart. And I realized I need to celebrate them because a win for them is a win for the whole team. So whatever God uses somebody to do for his glory is about the Lord, and I need to celebrate that. Well, when I, when I was younger, I wasn't in that place, and so God had to continue to help me grow. I had a friend, the same thing happened in them towards me. I can remember when God started opening doors for me, and I was just walking through what God had opened, and this person, we were great friends. All of a sudden, something changed in their heart. I noticed it. I just didn't understand it because I hadn't done anything in terms of sinning against them. And so I could sense this offense, but I just didn't know what was up. One day they sat down with me and they said, hey, I just want you to know I've been really jealous because of the doors that have been opened to you. And there was no conclusion. They just shared that and that was it. I didn't know what to do. I said, well, I'm, I'm sorry you feel that way, but I didn't know what to say to them. I mean, uh, what do I do, right? They didn't actually... Uh, apologize in a sense where they were like, hey, I was wrong. It was almost just like, I think that I should have what you have and I'm more spiritual than you. It was really weird. I'm not friends with that person today. Love them. God bless them. That was years ago. But the point is, is that they actually just got to a place where they could acknowledge it. They were aware of it, but they didn't reconcile it. 
See, jealousy, who can stand before jealousy? You and I have to reconcile that sin in our own lives. If we don't, we'll get offended at other people. It has nothing to do with what they've done. Now, there are other things as well we want to look at today. We have false expectations, number four. This is where we place exaggerated, unrealistic, assumptive expectations on people, and we will be let down because they will not fulfill what we think that they should do. And we can actually put expectations, false ones or unrealistic ones, on our spouses and our friends and our pastors and our churches and our employers and our employees. We can have these types of expectations on everybody in our life. In fact, I would tell you that we tend to project the most onto the people that we love the most or we're closest to. And unfortunately, that's just a fact because we see them more often. That proximity breeds can breed more sin, not because they deserve it, but because they're around us more. The power of our false expectations can choke out the blessing of personal relationship. And we've got to remember that God has called us to be together. He's called us to have relationship. He's called us to sharpen and hone and cultivate relationships. And we've got to know that the enemy wants to divide us, that our flesh wants to be selfish, wants to be self-first. The enemy wants to divide us. So we have selfishness and we have division that's against us in our relationships. So when we put these false expectations on people or even just expectations that are too much, we inevitably will be let down. And so here's what I would encourage you to do. When you realize that you have really high expectations, like I do, you, what you have to do is be aware that you can get offended by people and you have to learn how to have grace and communicate really well. We'll talk about that in days to come, but communication is a massive key. Being honest and being open actually solves a lot of problems. It doesn't solve every problem because you can share your heart, you can be honest, you can be open, but that doesn't necessarily mean that another person's gonna respond the right way. But if you know you, and I know who I am, that I can share my heart and I can open up and at least I've done my part so that I'm like deflating those high expectations that will never work. And so my greatest expectation has to be for me to become Christ-like and not just for other people to meet whatever standard that I've set because they won't do that all the time. Now that doesn't answer every question, but it is really important because this is one of the ways that we really do get offended. Number five is we can be very presumptuous. Now this is where we jump to conclusions and we make assumptions about situations and none of that ever plans out or, or pans out very well. And this is where we say things like, I know why people, I know why they said what they said and I know why they did what they did. It's this assumption where we have this like internal dialogue that is just based on our own thinking. It's not, it doesn't allow somebody else to talk in or speak into that issue. It doesn't allow somebody else to share what they think or why they did what they did or why they said what they said. So we have already, we're the judge, the jury, the executioner. We've decided why somebody said what they did, why they did what they did, and this is why they did that. And so you've already convicted them, right? We've already convicted them. The verdict is already in. We've rendered the verdict. They're guilty beyond a shadow of a doubt. And we've never allowed that person to speak into that. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever been wrong when you've sized up the actions or the words of another person? Like somebody said something really dumb 
and you realize you thought, man, I know why they said that. And then when you had a conversation with them, you realized that as they spoke to you about it, that you were wrong in what you thought, like you were really not right about what you thought was going on in them. Right. Yeah, that happens to all of us. And so we realize over time that if we let people have their own narrative, we let people speak into the situation it will cause something inside of us to settle. But can you imagine just walking around offended all the time because we think we know why people act the way they do or say what they do? It's just not healthy. Having just internal dialogue is not healthy. Being aware of our internal dialogue is healthy. Allowing other people to speak into our own internal dialogue is healthy because we give people the benefit of the doubt. We give them the chance to explain now, we're, I'm not saying people need to defend, but we do need to explain. People need the right to explain. And I think that's a profound grace when we allow people to have that right. Hey, you know, you did this and it really affected me. And in fact, it offended me. And I, I just wanted to make sure I had this right. Allow them to explain. Maybe it will just cause that thing to move out of your heart because all of a sudden we realize, oh, they didn't mean to do that. It was just a bad moment. I've said some dumb things that I did not mean to say, and I wouldn't stand behind them. And so I just think this is really important that we don't make assumptions and we need to employ discernment. Can I also tell you that we can get offended because somebody tells us what another person said or did. And maybe that isn't about us. Maybe it's about our friend or our spouse or somebody that we really love, a family member. And so they say, hey, so-and-so said this or did that, and they're offended, and we don't use discernment or ask any questions, and so we take on their offense. We're presumptive. We make assumptions, and the assumption is that they're right. Sometimes I'm not right. Sometimes you're not right, and sometimes our loved ones and friends are not right. So if we're not careful, and again, if our goal isn't to be Christ-like and therefore helping others to be Christ-like, we're going to make a lot of mistakes. We're going to have a lot of presumptions. We're going to make a lot of assumptions. And we're not going to employ discernment at the right time. We've got to back up and discern things. Ask the Lord questions. Ask the Holy Spirit to lead us. Allow people to speak into things. Asking our friend or our spouse, our loved one, whoever it might be, ask them the hard question. Did you talk to them about that? See, I have learned that even though the Bible says that we speak the truth and love to one another, even though it says if you if you have if you, if, if you know that you have something somebody has something against you or if you have something against someone, the Bible's very clear. If somebody sins sinned against you, Matthew chapter 18, go to them. If they don't listen, bring someone. If they don't listen, bring it to the church. It's very clear. The Bible tells us what to do, but I have learned, come on, be honest with me, okay? Come on, come close. We have learned that we don't always use the scripture in dealing with these things. So the enemy wins, right? The enemy wins because we would allow something to, be, to harbor in our hearts and it would hinder our lives. If we harbor something in our hearts, it hinders our life. It does. Is we can't, we're not called to carry those things in our life. It's like poison. It's, just, it's like swallowing poison. The only thing we want or should want is to get it out. We don't want it to stay there. And so here's another one. We have past wounds. This is where we're wounded by someone or something, and we have the tendency to project into current situations and relationships. Now, this could be um, a parent. This could be a child. This can be a man. This can be a woman. And it causes great judgment. 
So this could be things like all churches are after your money because we were part of a church that we didn't trust and maybe they embezzled money or maybe they lied about something. And so then we have this judgment of the church that we're at. We know that God's called us to be a part of a local church. And so now that we're a part of a local church, <clears throat> Northwest Church, maybe we're part of Northwest Church and we're like, hey, you know, all churches are after your money. Pastor Ben went a little bit long in his presentation of tithes and offerings, you know. And so instead of having a conversation with Pastor Ben about where the finances of the church go, and how we can know about that, and what is it that our money goes towards, instead of having that conversation, we have this past wound of what somebody else has done, and we project that onto the church. And every time something is brought up, it causes what's inside of us to trigger. It's a trigger. Same thing with marriage. I've seen this many, many times. Maybe you've gone through a divorce and you cringe every time that a preacher or a pastor or a friend or somebody talks about a marriage or what the Bible even says about marriage. Maybe you're, maybe you're in a different situation and, and these things, you know, a, a man's hurt you. All men are dogs. And maybe a woman's hurt you. All women are controlling. Come on, you live where I live. These are the things that we say. But this is where we can see that an offense can have the power of, of over our lives, like the voice of God. The voice of God and the word of God calls us to live a certain way, right? We live based on this word and it calls us to walk a certain way, to respond a certain way. Instead of doing that, we allow that voice of a past wound to be Lord over our life. Now, we wouldn't say it that way, but that's the truth. That echo has so much power that it causes us to see things a different way than they actually are. So we live in a false reality because of the wounds. And so we want to make sure that we allow Jesus to speak to our wounds. We also, in number seven, we allow worldly philosophy to usurp sound biblical theology. And I have already talked about this many, many times, but we're living in a day where, listen, I'm not totally anti-psychology. There are certainly some helpful things. I love counselors. Thank God for counselors that love Jesus and are true to the Bible. I'm, I'm absolutely with you. And so if you're watching and you're a mental health specialist, you're a counselor, I know that many people in the church have put down all of that. But now we're living in a day where people say it's important to have emotional health and mental health. And it always was, but we just were afraid that pop psychology and worldly philosophy was going to somehow take over in the church. Well, it's not going to take over in the church. But we recognize that there are some human patterns that we can understand. And I think it's really uh, helpful to know those and to know which ones actually aren't helpful. There are many types of uh, philosophies that we're not interested in. And we don't believe, they, they're counter the Bible. And so I renounce and reject all of those that are counter scripture, what scripture teaches as clear and plain truth. But there's a lot out there about humanism. And so let me just put it to you like this. There's worldly philosophy that enters into the church. And it goes like this, like when you give your life to Jesus, everything's gonna go great. You're gonna have, you know, your body's always gonna be healthy, your relationships are always gonna be whole, your finances are always gonna be great, everything's gonna be amazing. And so here what we don't realize is this is not theology. Theology teaches us financially to be content in all things and that any excess that we have or any extra money that we have is for kingdom advancement. So it's not about building up worldly treasures or earthly treasures where wrath or where rust and moth destroy and thieves break in and steal. It's about advancing the kingdom. And we know that from scripture. And so we know that there, the Bible actually gives us an understanding. And when we hear 
this like health, wealth, and all this prosperity doctrines that are all about us having our cake and eating it too, we realize that there's, in a sense, there's some humanistic principles and there's this worldly philosophy that's all about me. We're the center. Jesus is not the center. God's not the center. It's like God's following us instead of us following him. When that creeps into the church, what ends up happening, think about this, when stuff doesn't go our way, we get offended. We can get offended at God. God didn't do what the preacher said he was going to do or what the my misinterpretation of the Bible says he's supposed to do. That's not Bible. That's worldly philosophy, friend. And we need to make sure we study the Word of God. You can't study the Bible for a couple minutes a day or once a week and come to have sound biblical theology. That's why I'm an advocate for knowing Scripture. We, as individuals, have to walk in a knowledge of Scripture. We've got to pursue God Thank, him. Thank God that we have the Bible and you and I can read it, study it every day of our lives. People, I mean, during the dark ages, up until we had translations of the Bible, only the priests read the Bible. And even prior to that, not many of the priests read the Bible. There were very few in times past in church history that had the Bible. No wonder we have the Crusaders. No wonder we have so much horrible baggage in Christendom in the past. It's because they weren't Christians. They didn't know the Bible. They couldn't read the Bible. And they were just serving some kind of religion and not necessarily Christ. And that's really important that we know there are all kinds of worldly philosophies that enter into the church, that enter into books, Christian books, and we've got to reject and renounce those. There's also all kinds of humanism. I've heard a lot of people teach humanistic principles when it comes to forgiveness. Well, it's just about forgiveness, but they you need to forgive people, but they've never taught that your, forgive, your ability to forgive people comes from what Jesus has done for you. And so we connect to a higher source. It's not that in and of myself, I can forgive people because I should. It's that because he has forgiven me, I can forgive you. This is powerful. This means that we're drawing from a higher source. That source is Jesus Christ, not just humanism. Oh, you have it in yourself. You have the ability to do this. No, you don't. You have it in him. We have it in Christ. When we put it in Christ, all of a sudden there becomes a strength. Ephesians 6.10 says, Be strong in the Lord and His mighty power. Not self-sufficiency. Not be strong in self. Don't be strong in self. That's humanism. Be strong in the Lord. When you're strong in the Lord, you draw from the Holy Spirit. You find His strength in your situation. We've got to reject worldly philosophy. If we don't, we will get offended. Because things will not go the way that philosophy dictates. It will go the way that the Bible teaches. It will not, this philosophy will, it, it will absolutely cause us to be discouraged, disheartened, and disillusioned. We've got to re reject and renounce those types of things, understand and discern them when they're present because they can cause us to get offended at all kinds of stuff. Another one is we might be biased. And this is if we were raised a certain way with certain prejudice, maybe racism, strong opinions, political views. I mean, we're living in a time where there are tons of fights over everything that you can imagine. And here's the deal. Sin is sin, okay? No matter what the sin is, it all comes from the original sin. Racism, all kinds of biasms, prejudice, these strong opinions that overlook loving people. I'm not saying we can't have opinions, but all of the sins of racism and prejudice and all of this stuff that creates this bias where we don't love people, 
That comes from the fall, and we need to reject that. We are dead to sin and alive to God in Christ. Christians, we need to go back to this. It's almost like we're living in a time where people have forgotten our, the well, the source of our salvation, from which flows life and Christ-likeness. And we're acting as though we don't know how to get that. We don't know how to, how to find a new way. The new way is found in Jesus. Nobody else has the secret. It is found in Christ. Sin is in man because we fell. All kinds of sin. All of these sins are found in man. Life is found in Christ. The only way we're going to walk free and we're going to see people through the eyes of Christ is being filled with the Holy Spirit. It's giving our lives over to Him and being filled with the Holy Spirit. We don't want to look down on people, be biased in any way. And the last thing I want to share with you in terms of the sources of our offenses, and there's probably many others. I mean, there's probably a hundred others. I have no idea. This one is we might be influenced by cultural opinions. This could be um, people can say things like, uh, they can talk bad about millennials or the boomer generation. And so we make these sweeping generalized statements about older people, younger people, all of that type of stuff. This And the cultural opinions that are out there about people and situations and politics. And so we get highly influenced. And I would tell you, guard your heart with all diligence. Proverbs 4.23, for out of it flow the issues of life. The streams of life come from our heart. Guard your heart. Realize that other people can provide you a filter and then you see people with labels and they're not people made in the image of God that he's called you and I to love. And we've got to be careful because we can get offended by people. I don't care if you're Democrat, Republican, Libertarian, non-political. I don't care at all. I'm going to love you no matter what. I don't care if you're black, white, Hispanic, Asian, Native American, or otherwise. I'm going to love you because you're made in the image of God. That's the perspective that we've got to have. We've got to get back to the simplicity of knowing and loving God and loving people and each other just as He does. When we start to obtain that, the Holy Spirit puts it in our hearts and we find it manifesting itself again and again in the face of offense. Not just personal offense that one has done to us, but what we realize is all of the worldly filters being put on us so that we see people, situations, scenarios, culture, generations, people groups. We see all of that with all of these filters and it creates this offensiveness and we want to reject that. We've got to be aware of it, though. If you have it, and one of the things I recognize is people that listen to certain folks, they'll listen to certain influencers, and I can just tell. I've had people walk up to me and say, you can't be a Christian if you're this or you're that. It's just crazy. Like we've already said, we've added on to the statement of faith, right? It's like we believe in the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. We, we believe that we're saved by grace through faith, which is a gift of God lest anyone should boast. Uh, we believe in the authority of Scripture. Oh, and by the way, we believe that you have to be of this political party. I mean, we've it's just crazy. Like, we've added on to our statement of faith, and we've judged people. And it's just so, it's so wrong. We And you know why? Because we get offended. We don't know how to talk with somebody that has different views than we do, right? So we don't talk to them. We judge them. We judge them because we're offended by something. Why? How could you feel this way and, and be this way? How could you do? Well, talk to them. So sometimes the, the filter that somebody else has given us for other people is not what other people think. And that's what I have found. I've, people have told me, Ben, you're such a free thinker. I never thought of myself as that. You're a free thinker. I'm, I'm not a free thinker. I just want to follow the Holy Spirit. I want to follow the Word of God. 
And sometimes that means that we've got to be careful with what other people say to us as providing a filter because I don't want to be predisposed in offense toward people that I'm called to love. Jesus calls me to love people and to see all men and women saved, sanctified, set apart, filled with the Holy Ghost, delivered. That is my mission, and I'm not going to get persuaded by anybody else or anything else away from my mission. Offense has the power to get in the way of us seeing people as beloved of God and called according to his purpose and getting in the way of us being missional towards people that are in front of us. We've got to reject it. And that's what I'm encouraging us to do. As I conclude, let me just encourage you. We're going to open up and talking about how it is we actually deal with offenses, but we first have to know that it's all about the heart. We talked about the issues that we face and becoming offended. What are the sources? These are nine different things. There are many others. Lord, help us to have an awareness. Let's just pray that God would give us an awareness of the offenses that we potentially have so that if they're there, if there'd be any wicked way in us, that God would excavate our heart, that he would deal with it, that he would give us a divine exchange, his love for our offenses. And the Lord will do that. If there's any bitterness or anything, let the Lord bring that up in our lives. And let's just get free. Free to what? Free to love people free to serve people, free to be generous, free to share the gospel, free to make disciples. That's the key. That's the entire goal here is that we are free from the inside out. And God can do that in our lives, can't he? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you bring freedom into our lives. Who the sun sets free is free indeed. We confess and profess that today. We desire for you to do a strengthening work in us. I pray that you would make us aware of any offenses that we have. Set us free, we pray deal with those things in our lives that we could be missional and be useful in your hands to do what you want us to do. We thank you for that today. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Thanks for listening. If you'd like more information about Ignite Global Ministries, please go to our website, igniteglobalministries.org. While there, check out our Immersion Discipleship School and the books Pastor Ben has written.